Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. If you are interested in learning more about our organization, please go to georgiamta.org. Today, we are joined by Tracy Xian. Hello, Tracy. Good morning, Bebe. Let's get started. And my first question for you is, tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Well, I am a pianist and a piano teacher. I'm currently uh, an adjunct professor at LaGuinch College. I teach applied piano uh, one-on-one lessons and uh, I'm also a class piano instructor, which I teach four semester sequence class piano to all music majors. And uh, my previous experiences also include collaborative pianists. I have done uh, many, many years of a collaborative piano with uh, Schwab School of Music. And before that, uh, in, I was a collaborative pianist at uh, graduate school, LSU, where I got my master's and doctorate. And, um, and believe it or not, and I, I was sort of born as a musician because I remember uh, my mom told me the night I was born, she was playing a concert. <laughs> she is a retired harpist from Shanghai Ballet, and that's where I was uh, born and uh, uh, grew up basically in the orchestra pit, listening to all the rehearsals and then performances in the concert hall. Whenever my mom is playing, I have nowhere else to go and have to, she'll put me in a practice room, make me to practice, you know, when she's uh, rehearsing with the, with the orchestra. So uh, I started playing piano when I was uh, four and a half. I remember the, the, the very vivid image still sort of in my head is my mom bent down, looked at me in my eyes and asked me, now, uh, do you like to take piano lessons? Would you like to start studying piano? And uh, I knew at the moment that, that uh, saying no is not the choice. And, <laughs> and it, it's really not a question rather than a command. So I reluctantly said yes. And uh, so, so she was my beginner uh, piano teacher and she told me, now I don't recall a lot of these things. She later in life, then she told me all the story that I've, you know, I have little bits of uh, memories where I was in the practice room practicing and uh, what was going on from time to time. But she was feeling some lost memory <laughs> or memory that I'm trying to block out, I assume. So, uh, so she said, uh, uh, we started with the baby John Thompson. We call them baby Thompson because that's the first uh, book uh, the, for the beginner piano students. That's all pretty much we have back in China. Uh, uh, it was considered to be the standard uh, textbook for all beginner piano students. And she said it took me about three months to finish the entire book. She was very surprised and then uh, you know in a good way that uh, i was a very quick learner so age six uh, i auditioned for the prep school of the shanghai music conservatory the prep school is basically um it's an elementary division of the shanghai conservatory but they don't start their grade until about fourth grade 
So, so any, any age that before that uh, is considered to be in the prep school. And uh, so you still go to you know, regular school and you come in uh, once a week, take your piano lesson and then take music theory class once a week and uh, meet your applied teacher once a week. And, uh, and that was my regular routine for my elementary year. Um, I didn't really go to the elementary division of the Shanghai Conservatory. Uh, I went to the regular uh, elementary school. And uh, so I was continuing taking piano lessons throughout my elementary year. Then uh, at age of 13, uh, I auditioned once again for the middle school Shanghai Conservatory. And, and I was uh, accepted, and that was really considered to be one of the most prestigious schools that you can go to in China uh, and uh, uh, being major in music. And, and so after that, and that was what I was about to say that uh, between 1990 and 1992, and there's a huge change in China. Uh, that uh, uh, the president of the time was Deng Xiaoping, and uh, he decided to open up the China to the entire world for the very first time after, especially after the 10 years Cultural Revolution, that China was basically very closed in, and then uh, you don't see a lot of uh, exchange between countries. It's basically China is all by itself. So he decided he's going to make a huge economic growth for China. He opened up the uh, trade business and uh, uh, growth. Basically, he wants to grow the economy. And the, what the benefit for us as a musician was uh, there's suddenly this freedom and a personal choice that you can choose to go to other places to get your college education. You don't have to stay in China. You don't have to uh, be told what to do. And then there will be more opportunities for musicians, as you know, that we all uh, have to have, you know, looking for performance opportunities, looking for competitions to enter so that you will have more opportunities. So uh, that was when I graduated from uh, high school and, uh, and I had to make a decision whether I'm going to go to the music conservatory, the college level, or... Uh, stay and apply for schools elsewhere, uh, which means in United States, um, most of uh, my classmates apply school in United States at the time. And uh, so we all sort of went for that direction as well. And uh, either go to college in Shanghai or I have to sort of wait out. So I worked for two years. I applied a job uh, at a Shanghai Philharmonic Orchestra. And so that is when I started my gig career. <laughs> so long story short, I started basically gigging and, at an age of 15. I'm, I'm always a very good side reader. I'm a terrific side reader. And uh, um, I'm once I got hired once and I get many, many gigs because I just, I can pick up things very quickly. Uh, so I worked in Shanghai for two years as a collaborative pianist. Meantime, I'm still uh, doing a few, not too much of a solo performances. And I taught a little bit on the side. Anything I can think of, you know, in terms of uh, making some extra money and to save money so that I can go to the United States one day. 
if that ever comes to be the you know dream can come I, true. Can I jump in here and ask? So you were age fifteen when you started this gig. How did you manage jobs, practicing, as well as schooling? I assume you were in school. Oh God. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not ashamed to say that I fell asleep in the classroom many, many times. <laughs> so we will be taking, you know, uh, 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 history class. You know, I, I even fell asleep in music theory class. You know, I remember, you know, just gigging at night and then hanging out afterwards. You know, hang out afterwards with friends and. Uh, uh, it, and come home really late and then try to go to school the next day it, it was it was a, a, a turbulence two years I have to say the last two years of my high school was pretty wild <laughs> because I, was, I was, this, was this common practice among your friends that they would um, receive jobs and gig in high school years or were you the exception I was one of the few exceptions that uh, because my mother worked in orchestra and uh, uh, she gets calls all the time she said you know we need a pianist for this and that so I was kind of uh, uh, rely on that and she will send me refer me to many different uh, uh, concerts and whether big or small so yes the answer was uh, uh, the same thing with the opening the economy that therefore there was there was lots of uh, uh, Westerners coming into China so hotels were built. So when you have a hotel, you have to have musicians playing the lobbies and then uh, ensemble, string quartets, and your piano quartets, trio, whatever the group that we can find that will form a small group. And that becomes my regular gig. That during the day, I'll be going to school and at night, I'll go to the hotels and play piano in the bar uh, or play with my colleagues and you know, so-called colleagues. They are really extra members, and uh, they are also looking for ways to earn extra incomes. So that was one of the uh, fun things to do, and uh, most rewarding things after all this many years of uh, piano practice. Finally, I say, "Yay!" You know, <laughs> I get to do something for myself. So that was very motivating in a way. So long answer to your short question was that yes, it was it was quite few of us was was able to get away with doing things without get criticized by your teacher, and I was doing poorly in school. Have <laughs> have to admit that, <laughs> but I managed to uh, finish my high school. But piano was always my priority. Uh, I never let piano uh, uh, get behind on piano and practice and everything and in matter of fact i was one of the very few students that gave a uh, solo recital as my senior um, uh, at, at my senior year uh, it was not required at a high school and it was just happened that uh my teacher decided hey you got enough peace that uh, let's go ahead do a senior recital and uh, i was able to do it and i was very proud that i was you know managed to uh, accomplish that uh, but in terms of curriculum studies, you know, like, you know, the, all the other things are just really down to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, but I tried, I tried. Yeah, it was fun last, uh, the, the years of those high school years. But uh, after two years, I applied and finally I got an answer from Columbus State University. And uh, I came here in 1992 and started my uh, uh, 
bachelor uh, uh, BM degree in piano performance. Can I, and, can uh, I ask, um, you know, 1992, internet, Google was not a thing, which is the source that we, most of us go to when we are searching for schools, finding teachers, finding out information about scholarships, um, opportunities. How did you find Columbus State of all schools? How did you even hear about this school? Well, we, uh, we have friends that left China before I did, and I always keep close um, touch with them. So uh, I always send letters. Back then, the only communication was letters or uh, international long distance call, which, which was very expensive at the time. You know, they would charge you by the minute. And, uh, uh, but I, anytime when I have a friend is leaving, I always give them my address, my phone number says, hey, if you have any uh, uh, recommendation that uh, opportunities or scholarship available availability, then make sure you let me know, send me a letter, let me know that if I could try as well. So that's exactly what happened. Uh, one of my uh, classmates, he was actually uh, a year or two older than me and then he left uh, a, a year before I did. And then he just called me out of blue. He said, hey, uh, how is your English? And I said, well, I think I can get by with it. And, uh, and he said, well, you want to talk to the piano professor right here? He's right next to me. And I said, uh, what is that for? <laughs> he said, well, you, don't you want to come here to study? And I said, well, of course, of course. Yeah. So I got on the phone and, uh, and, uh, you know, sp spoke some broken English and, uh, I was asked him if he would like to come to study, you know, uh, here at Columbus State University. I said, absolutely. What do I need to do? You know, let's get started on that. So that's how I got uh, to United States. So and, a couple uh, of things. A couple of things stick out to me. One, the fact that you were so young and you were already planning so intensely for your future that anytime a friend left, you, you made sure to let them know of any opportunities and to send it your way. You must have been very driven as a child and, and the fact that you knew that you wanted to leave the country. When did this idea even start in your head that you wanted to leave China to come to America? To, to be in the uh, music conservatory environment, the very first thing that you come across is competition. Uh, we are a very competitive group of uh, musicians or students at the time. And once one is start leaving and, uh, and we all search for that same opportunity, we want to outdo each other basically. <laughs> So, so my way of, uh, you know, many of my friends have relatives in United States. And um, of course, I'm not saying just United States. Some of them went to Australia, Japan, uh, many different countries because they have uh, uh, friends and relatives out there to help them. Uh, I didn't have any of that. And I knew uh, that this could be a possibility. But, uh, but I can't stop trying is it, there's... Is somehow that that in our mind when we were in high school, there's not a whole lot of future to stay in China, because the job a job opportunity as a musician is very limited. For a pianist to get a job in orchestra is you know next to none. You can only be a part time, and uh, to be a piano teacher, yes, it's still considered as not a form very formal job, 
and it's just really like a side job, you know, and uh, that you can do uh, out of your main job. So mainly is the the opportunity that we are so dying want to see something different that we were looking for something new and exciting especially you hear good news and you always hear good news now usually <laughs> that's one thing about chinese is and uh, we lo- live through lots of tough time but we oftentimes we don't share these difficulty time we want to tell you what's good and it makes other people feel good about you and maybe it, it may it may be just me it may be uh you know it could be for some of the uh chinese culture and so that's what we hear, you know, anybody, any friends were in the United States, they were sent back, write letters to their relatives and the relatives will come to tell, tell my mom how wonderful they're doing there, uh, how many things they're doing and for their career and, uh, and how successful they are. And that is one of the motivation really driven behind me is I have to give a try and when I can. So before I cut you off and interjected with a question, you left off with you um, were in a conversation with a professor and that's how you ended up at Columbus State. That's right. And uh, yeah, Columbus State was uh, generous, very generous enough. I was one of the very first recipient of receiving not only the full tuition waiver, but also Roman board. That has never been done back in the 1992. Uh, and the uh, uh, Schwab School of Music at that time, it was still uh, a music department. So to have an, an international student will cost that much money, <laughs> is, which was uh, almost unheard of. And, uh, and that also provided the motivation of me that I cannot fail. And uh, I came here with just an unknowing driven force. And I was, I remember I was sitting, practiced the most I ever, ever did. And then I was practicing between four to six hours a day on top of all the core classes, taking all the subjects in second language. And that was very terrifying at the first two years. I was quite stressed out, but I managed it the first two years and, and it got through uh, my four years of uh, undergraduate study. Uh, and that was a most rewarding thing. And I will say, Coming to the United States was life-changing experience. And uh, I would not have been able to done this and without my mom pushed me as hard as she, she could. <laughs> so, um, you know, earlier you talked about how Chinese people only send back good news. And so before coming to America, you must have had in your mind an image of what life in America would be like. Was that what you found when you came? How was it similar? How was it different? It, it, it's a little bit both. And uh, uh, there was some kind of a saying that, you know, you will think when you're in China, everything's happening in the United States, you will think it's easy. That uh, uh, you don't have to work very hard to, to get reward. So, but however, obviously that's not the case. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, as I arrived in the United States, there is this an invisible driven force that I did not even question how would I achieve. It was like this is the only choice that I have that I have to go for, go for, and there's no question about fail, failure. 
and uh, and and that's magic. That that that's something that I never had when I was in China. <laughs> you know, in China in high school, it's like how can I get by with every day? Uh, if I can get by with it, I'm doing fine. But here it was totally different. With all there's there was all the distraction was gone, and uh, uh, no gigs. Uh, you know, the only pushing is that I got to get on top of my grades because I was on scholarship. Obviously, the pressure is if you fail any courses that it, it will jeopardize your scholarship. And that could be one of the driven force, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard. But at the same time, I was happy. Mm -hmm. I was not regretting anything I've done. So, mm -hmm. so there's a balance there. Yeah, it's like Were there, yes, were there other easy. Chinese um, in Columbus, Georgia at that time when you arrived? Or were you the only Chinese? It, there were one Chinese family. And they, they discovered me because I was on the newspaper for winning a competition or something. So they called me. They said, oh, my God, there's a Chinese here. There's a Chinese college student in Columbus State University. So let's get her. So that was the only Chinese family I, I, I was encountered with. And, uh, and uh, 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 other than that, I have one Chinese uh, uh, college classmates. And uh, he was from another part of China. And he was... He came uh, perhaps a, a year later than I did. And uh, so we were both uh, majoring in piano. But at the time, I was still focused mainly, practice uh, most of the time. So we didn't really have a whole lot of a, like going out together, you know, talking about home or, you know, it was mainly me, classroom, home, practice room classroom home there's nothing else that's happening there so no uh, uh and my english got really uh, much much improved uh, uh after i arrived here because the environment being in columbus georgia there's not a whole lot of chinese here not until i came uh, here about four five six six years later and there were lots of them moved in uh suddenly yeah well, um, I, I'm curious to hear, do you have a favorite memory of any of your teachers that you can share with us? Oh, wow. Uh, I will say all of my teachers. I, I'm one of the fortunate ones that I have worked with many, many piano teachers. Some, you know, some pianists only had one or two. I had a, like five or six. <laughs> and uh, I, I have fine memories of every one of them. But the thing that comes to my mind the first thing uh, was treats. I love treats. After each piano lessons, I remember one summer, it was so hot and humid. And in China, back in the 80s, and there would be no air conditioning, you know, windows were wide open, and you would just sweat and playing. And, uh, uh, and, and, and my teacher came out with uh, um, uh, ice water was never, it's not unheard of. There's no ice or water, you know, you just drink room temperature water. She came out with a cup of water, and uh, and it was cold, and then she put a couple um, teaspoon of a tang. If you know the T A N G, those orange looking powder stuff, you know, and it was like, man, you know, that's something not from China. It has to be really awesome. So she put two <laughs> couple of teaspoon in that, and then I swear she had to put something that looks just like baking soda, and it <laughs> and then she said, now wait for the magic. She put that one spoonful of the white powder in there and suddenly the fist came out of the you know the drink and i was like oh the 
this is so this is gonna be so so good so good and then so and, and it was basically like a sprite yeah <laughs> it was orange flavor sprite and uh, uh, I know the memory is kind of silly but what that does to me is I think it was what my teacher would do to things with me that normally I would never be able to do on a normal day everyday routine my mother is a totally type one personality and routine is everything for her and so my lifestyle was pretty boring during the childhood it's just practice school and I was in swimming team for a while and uh, and that's about the only three things I get to do no other outdoor activities and no association with anybody so anything my teacher I remember my uh, uh, conservatory teacher uh, I complained said, well, my stomach hurts from time to time. And then the very next day, she would bring me hard-boiled eggs. And <laughs> she said, you need to eat more <laughs> so that so that you won't get stomach ache. And so lots of uh, fine memories. And I'm always, you know, a, a, I'm a very quick learner. And I get tons, tons of uh, uh, assignments and to practice. And then and my mother gets very proud of a making me to learn everything I was assigned the first week and then memorize everything on the second week and then move on to new repertoire. So <laughs> I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, how would you describe your relationship with your teacher? Um, was it, did it obviously started out as a teacher-student relationship, but did it sounds like, did she kind of become a second mother figure in a way to you? Because Very much so, so in a way, Yes, in a way, I almost prefer them to be my mom than my own mom because my mom is just always on top of me about practice. And uh, yes, uh, to be with them is feel the of the what life is really like because <laughs> it, uh, and they are very generous, very nice to me, very sweet, and uh, um, I get away with doing things. I can you know I can speak out. I can. Uh, 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 have fun basically yeah so i i love all my piano teachers yeah i think that is so interesting because a lot of times in our mind we have a stereotype of what a chinese teacher is like right we think that they're mm -hmm. rule driven and they discipline and they are tough but to hear that um actually your your teachers were warm and loving and approachable and nurturing gives a different aspect or a different view of what some of these teachers could be like and that maybe the stereotype is not so true absolutely absolutely um all my teachers are the the most most down-to-earth person and uh um the only time that you will see them to be very serious is during the lessons. And that makes you want to work more. And uh, anytime after the lessons is a total different person. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a mother figure, grandmother, and most of my teachers are female. And uh, yeah, it's, that, that's very much like that. that there's, uh, we are actually fear of teacher from other studios. Because of this competition, you see, there's always competition between the students and also between the teachers as well. And the fear comes from that. And uh, if so and so next door, uh, and uh, uh, it, we, we don't really like, I don't take lessons from one person and then 
immediately go to the next door to get another person a uh, lesson from another person so you 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 being assigned to this one teacher in the conservatory and that will be your teacher until something happens and uh, uh, and so yes there are this fear uh, which is much very much of a culture thing is that your fear of the teacher and uh, um, they look at you uh, in a very different way but if if you're their own students and they treat you very much like their own child mm -hmm. <laughs> so that could be something different in terms of a piano teacher than a classroom teacher that you know in a, a typical uh public school figure i will put that way yeah it, you talked about practicing and it being a huge part of your life so describe what practicing was like for you as a child one word I can say that is brutal. <laughs> My practicing career was really brutal and long and uh, uh, very labor intensive. Um, and if I'm not working hard enough, my mother will make sure that that I have to practice a minimum of three hours per day. Ever since I was in uh, started a music conservatory uh, in a prep school. And only with that, and I was able to learn a vast amount of the repertoire and uh, being a very quick learner that I was able to uh, accomplish that goal. But the side effect of that is, yes, uh, during uh, two years of my high school, I was actually studying with a, a very renowned uh, teacher uh, that introduced me a, a total different technique. It was uh, all about voicing. I was doing lots of voicing exercises or pieces like Chopin and I have a huge hands and that was one thing that I was accepted by the music conservatory is the very first thing you walk in the classroom and say put your hands on the piano I want to see how far you can reach and I reached a minor tense and at the age of 11 and then so 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 they said okay you're good <laughs> so that was that was the first thing that I, I, I my first foot in the, in, the, in the door of the conservatory. And uh, um, so th during those two years of uh, intensive studying in voicing skill, and I end up with uh, 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 develop a gangling cyst in between my left wrist. And then I know that I have some sort of uh, tendonitis. And uh, at one point, I was not able to play my left hand completely. Uh, every time when I reach out for an octave, my hand will just freeze. And it was just like staying in the octave position that it will not close. And so th at that time, I knew, okay, it's time to put a stop on this and I have to do something. So I tried, you know, therapy and uh, cortisone shots, you know, steroid shots and everything. It did very, very little help until I completely stopped playing and uh, uh, for about six months. And so, so that driven is, yes, there, there's definitely, if you're not being careful, um, Chinese ways of a practice is really how long can you do it? It's really not a whole lot of a technique behind it other than if you're strong, if you are able to maintain that level of intensity that you can make, make the career. Uh, that was that was the, uh, uh, you know basically how your future is set. Uh, if you not, if you injure it, and then you you're not supposed to be in this business. 
So that was, there's not a whole lot of uh, like different methods of approach to playing is, you know, your teacher learn from their teachers and then they teacher whatever they inherited from their teachers and they teach it directly to you. There was not a whole lot of uh, pedagogical views. Perhaps they were, but they were never shared with us. And then we learn from our teacher what where they learn from theirs. So were there examples of colleagues and friends who were injured and were no longer able to pursue a career in music? Not so much as in a piano, you know, you, uh, in the music conservatory, uh, either you don't talk about it uh, or uh, we do select the best of the best. Uh, each year they receive no more than 13 piano majors every year. Now today, that's a totally different story. Uh, at that time, uh, education were all free. So we look, we basically go to go to the music, uh, school uh, with no, no cost to us. So they do select and the, and most of these pianists, young pianists are all already well established. They are, will not be somebody that come from many different backgrounds or a different level of uh, uh, um, difficulty in terms of uh, choices of a repertoire. Everybody basically all starts with one level when we start the first year, yeah. Now I have heard uh, string players that have uh, eventually quit, uh, not in the middle school, I was did not realize that was happening and uh, uh, as much, but uh, when they advanced to the collegiate level, I have heard several stories of them eventually just have to quit due to the injury. Mm. And so which for me, I thought that may very well happen to me at one point, but I was able, I was lucky enough to work myself out that found a way to deal with my injury and that I have, you know, pretty much fully recovered from it, but I just have to really listen, listen to my body very, very closely. This um, kind of leads us to the next topic, which is career choices. You know, it really sounds like your life has been guided from a very young age, from the moment your mother asked you the question, do you want to start piano lessons? that music was going to be your path, was there ever an alternative path that you could have taken or was ever contemplated? Um, do you have other interests or even regrets about this path that maybe you didn't pick but was chosen for you? It was very much chosen for me. And uh, uh, while I was taking piano lessons, uh, I was also an elite swimmer. I was putting the swimming team, and and it was my also my mother at the time that deciding where to go to athletic school or music conservatory, and the the conclusion is of course music conservatory because I can play till the very very old age. But being an athlete, and you your career basically is done when you reach age of thirty. And so, uh, and being my mom, being a musician, and she sees the outcome of the benefit and the reward of being a musician. And she always, she never admitted that to me. She said, I, she later told me that I was always very natural with it. So I almost like I was born with talent, but it, I was not being credited. Saying that you you can do this, you know, like there was never a clear statement saying you can do this. It's just that you're gonna do this, 
you're gonna you, that is what you're gonna do um so for me uh has changing a career ever crossed my mind from time to time if i ever attempted at the end i always come back to tell myself i still need to just play piano is the only thing i will do <laughs> i i don't think i can be any more successful than what I am today, being, uh, being a piano, uh, pianist and piano teacher. Uh, I just couldn't seem to see through that I can put that much of a driven force again and to go uh, um, go through it. And I was, I was happy that, you know, not when I, during the year, my first 20 years of my life, but after that, I was happy but that my mother had did that. Uh, for me and uh, uh, and I was finally motivated enough as I told you earlier uh, when I finally arrived in the United States I was the only one that's pushing myself to to be what I am today and that has to still thankful to my mom was swimming ever a viable option for you was that something that you were interested in or even seriously considered as an alternative it was at a time uh, because I was pretty good at swimming and uh, uh, not like the best one of the best. It, it was just an option. Um, but it was never, I don't think it was ever on the discussion table in terms of uh, uh, definitely you're going to be an athlete. Yeah, but, but that was just an option. And that option was being deleted and assume assume yeah as soon as uh, how she how my mom saw me as a, a, a pianist and uh, uh, every teacher I study with all uh, said the same thing uh, that you're a quick learner and uh, uh, you meant to do this and uh, and I, I I do agree with that and being a gig musician that is something that you have that instant reward uh, the, uh, the gratification, the satisfaction of uh, being paid. <laughs> so right there, you see, say, okay, so this is making something happening right there. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, these qualities that you talk about, an, an ability to learn things quickly, um, this high level of intelligence, um, high level of being able to absorb material, um, it, you know, it makes me wonder, I don't know if it makes you wonder if you could have had, you know, a viable career in, in medicine or in law, you know, this, this quick wit and quick mind that you have could have been advantageous in other fields as well. Um, if you were allowed to kind of explore those paths, um, explore the academic side of things. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I think in a way it was, it was the fear of not being successful and of being successful in piano for so many years that put me into that situation where when I pick up something else and trying to do it like in terms of a seriously thinking career change will be the fear of uh, not being successful. But I think if I do put my heart into it and the persistence, if I can find the motivation for it, that I may pursue it. But at the end, like I said, I still somehow have to fall back to the piano is this is the only thing that I do that I'm totally that trusting in myself that I can do a good job of it. Yeah.
That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I think well, thank you, know, you. <laughs> you you have an understanding of the amount of work it takes to be successful in one exactly. field. And so when you do the calculation of it, in order to achieve the same level of success in another field, you understand where you have to start in order to reach where you want to go. And Absolutely. so yeah, that's a lifelong investment, essentially. It, it, exactly, and there's still so much more to learn. And uh, it, you know, my 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 study, training, teaching is not ended here. You know, and that you still have to keep going, and there's always new things to learn. Which is the perfect segue to our next question, which is: Do you have any projects that you're working on right now? Yes, uh, ever since, uh, let me see, I think it was uh, 2013, yeah, uh, I started a YouTube channel, and uh, uh, the original plan was, I was teaching weekly lessons to uh, all my private students, and I noticed something, a, a pattern that I will be teaching one piece, and I'll be telling them the exact same thing, introducing the piece, it was a major part of my uh, first lesson to a new piece is I have to go through all the steps, mark sections, discuss the piece, and then find difficulty areas to make sure to, uh, they understand that how to start practice. So at the end, I got tired of doing it. I said, then, you know, um, I have to do this, you know, 15 times a week, and uh, maybe I should just record this. And uh, whenever the students ready play this piece, then, then there will be this recording available. And uh, uh, that way, there will be all the steps that's laid out and uh, all the things I have to say in the lesson, I have to save all this time and just send them home with a video with a very quick, uh, brief introduction. And so that they will have, from the very start, they will have a very productive week of practice rather than learning something totally inaccurate and come to me and then we have to spend weeks after weeks of correcting it. So so that idea sort of born out of my mind, but just not knowing how to pursue it. And then suddenly I had a college student and uh, he was watching me play, basically um, uh, demonstrating something for him during the lesson. He said, well, Dr. Shen, have you ever thought about putting this on YouTube? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, uh, uh, you can get paid if you monetize your video, you can get paid. So anything you say get paid, I'm interested, you know? <laughs> and I said, oh, really? Uh, you, I, me, I, I can have a YouTube channel? And uh, he said, of course, he said, I have one. He said, I already made 15 bucks on that. And you know, I just, it's all I do is just to share my composition. You know, he was a composition major. And uh, um, uh, so I said, sure, sure. So that's how I started. And I decided to start my own YouTube channel. And uh, uh, since then, now I, I, I believe I had a, over 270 of videos uploaded. Uh, but the original idea was doing tutorials only. But then I got sort of, you know, running out of time. Sometimes I want to post something right away, but I just don't have time to break things down. So I, so my now my YouTube channel is combinations of uh, uh, tutorial videos on the um, uh, intermediate, uh, not advanced pieces. Most most are uh, early intermediate and the intermediate uh, uh, pieces, pedagogical piano works, uh, and. 
just straight up performance of complete collections of, let's say, perhaps uh, the, the complete uh, uh, Clementi Sonatina, Opus 36. And then I have live performances of something I do for my own uh, recitals, and I'll post those, uh, share those as well. And I, uh, I have grown, you know, even though it, this might be a joke for some people that are professional YouTuber or have a million subscribers by now, but, <laughs> but I have grown to have a, a little over 2,100 subscribers. Um, but that was eight years of work. And uh, uh, lately I've, uh, you know, grown a little bit and uh, and have some really positive feedback and then there are audience out there other than my students in addition to my students needed that kind of uh, guidance even though it's from the one person perspective but i think i provide something for them to break things down so that they know how to get their hands on the piece for the very first week and then able to continue the correct way of practicing fingering suggestion, pedaling suggestions, or just any uh, uh, editorial marking suggestions that I'll give them that um, I believe to be helpful. So I'm very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have two questions about that. One, how can someone find your YouTube channel? Um, what is the address for that? Uh, very simple, just type my name, Tracy Shen, and uh, uh, any of my video will be uh, showing or if you just search for random pieces you know uh if you subscribe then you can also make a request say hey <clears throat> i'm learning this piece right now do you mind to uh give some tutorial on this piece and the most of the time uh when my schedule allows then i, I was able to uh satisfy uh, the subscribers request and i will give a you know short uh uh, introduction and then make sure that and you know, break things down even sometimes for instance I've done uh, five of the two-point inventions uh, by Bach that I've done the right hand left hand separately so my idea was uh, one of the practice steps most important practice step is be able to hear both lines at the same time but when you're learning notes uh, for the first week you know there's no way you can do that so the one way to accomplish that is for me to play the opposite parts and then while you practice the left hand and you listen to the right hand. Then the YouTube channel does have an, uh, a uh, function that you're able to reduce the tempo going up and down without alternating the pitch. Uh, acoustic wise may not be the best sound because once you lower the, uh, the, uh, the speed and that you get some kind of wah-wah effect of the <laughs> sound, at least the pitch is not changing uh, and you can also speed it up if you need to. And so, so that was very helpful uh, for my students. I said, you need to go home to practice and uh, practice hands alone, but also at the same time, listen to the opposite hand or sing along, whatever you need to do. Great. So, That's yeah. my second question is how frequently do you upload videos? Uh, I try to do in the summer. I get to do a little bit more, hopefully once a week. And uh, my working habit is I, I am a, a kind of a cluster worker. So when, when I do things, I do a bunch of them at the same time, and then, and I stop doing it for a while. <laughs> so if you look at the published day, sometimes I will stop for several months because during the semesters, there are just too many things going on, and uh, it's hard to uh, quiet down. And uh, uh, I used to do it at the Lagrange College, uh, my own studio, where I have a, a beautiful uh, Shigeru uh, Kawaii uh, grand. 
that I was able to do my recording and uh, very quiet and no distraction whatsoever. But during the COVID, then I did not, I, I taught everything online virtually. And uh, so this last year has not been the most productive, but I was able to maintain the subscribers and by posting, <clears throat> uh, I did a bunch of uh, hymn arrangements of, uh, uh, I'm also a regular church pianist uh, ever since I came to this country. And so I've selected a, a bunch of uh, uh, hymn arrangements by some of my most favorite composers uh, and uh, published those live performances. Yeah, upload them. Do you have any advice for young musical professionals and teachers as they embark on their careers and enter professional life? Well, from my personal experience, um, being a, a person that started uh, gigging career at the age of 15, I will say, be as diverse as you can and uh, constantly look out for new things to learn. Music technology comes to my mind the very first thing. Is uh, Nowadays, you can't do anything, uh, music or anything, uh, uh, not just music, uh, without technology. Uh, that will be a, a, a wonderful area to embark. Um, and I, me personally, I would love to do, uh, I love recording. I love recording, uh, uh, learn how to record, edit, and, uh, and maybe perhaps eventually collaborate with artists. Uh, I even thought about doing, uh, playing live music with motion paintings with, with, uh, uh, with live artists. And that will be music technology side, something that looking to pedagogy wise, definitely uh, tons of uh, resources out there. Uh, and join GMTA, join MTNA and uh, uh, go to conferences, make friends. And uh, I learn so much every, every year when I go to conference, go to these workshops. And there's always something new that I never thought about. Or someone is doing it and I thought about and never knew how to get started. Uh, so be as diverse, diversify, and be as versatile as you can. Uh, do anything, play, teach, uh, collaborate, and um, that's all. Those are the three things I do on my regular basis. And then, those, yeah, I, I think that would be the wonderful thing for everyone to try that as well. Super. This is our very last question for today, which is: What advice would you give to young? pre-collegiate musicians about a life with music? From my experience, once again, I will say today's students don't listen nearly enough classical music. They have their favorite pop, you know, pop and anything that any music genre they listen to. But I rarely hear them talk about listening to classical music. Now, that's only from my, uh, my part of the world. Uh, hopefully that's not true for for other students, uh, but definitely listen to more classical music, any form, solo, chamber, symphonic, chorus, uh, opera, ballet, you know, I grew up in ballet company and uh, uh, anything can involve your emotion, body movement will help further develop your musical, uh, musical feeling. Wonderful, Tracy. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. And thank you for speaking with me today. This was an enlightening and fun conversation. I really enjoyed listening about your life journey and your life story. 
I wish you happy teaching and happy students. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bebe.